Well, I wonder if you know the story of Thelma Howard. Thelma Howard was Walt Disney's maid for 20 years. And every Christmas, Walt Disney would call her into his office and give her, her little, give her a little Christmas present. Each year, Walt would give her some stock in his company. But perhaps confused about what it was that she was being given, Thelma never did anything with those shares. They were left stuffed away in a bottom drawer. And so when she died in 1981, she died in poverty. After her death, among her possessions was discovered Walt Disney Company stock worth £6 million. She was a multimillionaire, and yet she never knew it. How tragic to miss out on such riches. And yet Jesus Christ, in this passage that we've just read, warns that many of us are in danger of missing out on even greater riches. Because the Christian faith offers treasure which far surpasses even shares in a multinational. But my suspicion is that many people think of Christianity in the same way as Thelma Howard perhaps thought of those shares. They see it as slightly confusing or as a load of old documents which can't do much for us in real life. So what I want to do this morning is simply to explain what the Christian faith is all about and why it's worth considering. Have a look down with me at those verses again from Matthew 6, verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. What's Jesus on about? Here we are in 21st century Britain with the potential to store up treasures on earth of the greatest kind with our Wi-Fi and widescreen TVs and wealth. It seems to be the best life. And yet Jesus tells us not to store up treasures on earth. Why is he saying that? Well, I don't think Jesus is condemning pleasure and enjoyment as bad things. After all, the heavenly treasure, which he goes on to talk about, will presumably involve great pleasure. But I do think he's wanting to give us a loving warning about how we live our lives. He's wanting to shake us up so we'll see reality as it really is. And I want us to explore that this morning by asking two questions which will help us to consider the Christian faith. And the first of those questions is this. Where's your treasure Where's your treasure? Did you notice that Jesus mentions two types of treasure in these verses? Treasures on earth, which he tells us not to store up, and treasure in heaven. There are two types of treasure we can store up, and Jesus implies that they're mutually exclusive. He wants us to pursue one rather than the other. Where's your treasure, I wonder? What are you investing in? What are you storing up? the future. Let's think first of all about the earthly treasure which Jesus mentioned. Because I guess many of us here, by virtue of the world in which we live, have great potential to store up an abundance of earthly treasure. Maybe you're investing in a relationship with that special person, or in reaching the top of your career ladder, or perhaps simply in finding enough money to buy a house for the first time. Either way, imagine all the treasures all of us here could store up on earth. All the gadgets, all the properties, all the achievements. Sounds appealing, doesn't it? And certainly that's what most of my friends are living for. 
Many of them are doing pretty well at storing up earthly treasure. Barney's an old school friend of mine. He told me not long ago that he wants to leave his £100,000-a-year job in the city because he wants an eight, uh, sorry, a seven rather than a six-figure salary. Khaled was another mate in the same class at school. He's already appeared in two Hollywood movies and won numerous acting awards. Alex is climbing fast up the army ranks and has far more influence than most people would at his age. They're investing in money, success, and power. And it's hard not to envy their earthly treasure. And yet it's the second kind of treasure, the heavenly treasure, which Jesus encourages us to pursue. And the reason why is there at the end of verses 19 and 20. Let me read them again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do you see why Jesus tells tells us to store up treasures in heaven? It's not because he's a killjoy but because he's realistic. He wants us to enjoy treasures that will last. And of course, the reason why earthly treasures won't last, the reason why moth and rust destroy, is very simply because one day we'll all die. It may sound morbid, but it's a pretty simple point, isn't it? I remember at university meeting the odd student who spent most of their summer term partying as if it was still fresh as a week. Right up until their exams, they'd go out every night and sleep in till mid-afternoon. But when the exams came, well, of course, they performed very badly. And you couldn't help but think what a fool they were to live for pleasure during term rather than investing in the exams which lay ahead. And Jesus is saying that if we store up treasure on earth rather than investing in what lies ahead, then we're just like those students. Just like with the prospect of exams, the future should affect how we live in the present. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus uh, expects our lives on earth to be like the painful revision before an exam. Notice that Jesus says, do not, not store up treasures on earth, not do not enjoy things on earth. He's not opposed to us enjoying the good things that he himself created. But he's saying that it's folly to store up, to invest in things which won't last. And that is the hard reality of life which Jesus wants to wake us up to. If this life lasted forever, then let's store up our treasures here. But of course the reality is that even the best treasures we enjoy on this earth will disappear when we die. We don't take anything with us beyond the grave. Someone once asked a vicar at a funeral how much a wealthy man had left behind when he died. And the vicar's reply was, he left everything. They always do. You see, big or small, all our earthly treasure vanishes when we die. My friend Barney's money will perish with him. Khaled's fame and Alex's influence won't help them when death calls. That's Jesus' point in verse 19. Moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Either time will catch up with us or someone else will take our possessions away. And ultimately, death swallows up the lot.
actually, I wonder whether the reason why, as a society, we're so obsessed with living for the here and now, with, with instant gratification, is because we're more sanitized to death than any other society in history, perhaps. Death used to be, and for many people in the world, still is an everyday experience, an everyday reminder that the things of this world won't last. But our generation, which has few personal experiences of war, and where even the deaths of our loved ones are usually hidden away from us in hospital beds or nursing homes, seems to think of itself almost as if it were immortal. And we believe the lies of the advertising industry, that we need to experience everything now, that we need to store up treasure here on earth, that this life is all there is. And so I want us to think for a moment about death not a pleasant subject, is it? Maybe some of us here have recently experienced firsthand what a truly terrible thing it is. But we are all going to die. And given that death is one of the few certainties in life which we'll all experience, isn't it strange that we think about it so rarely? And our bank balances, qualifications and possessions will count for nothing when death hits us. There's no VIP exemption from it. The only question is when it will happen, not whether. And none of us know when cancer will strike or a drunk driver will knock us down. I'll be taking a funeral this week for a chap uh, who just died, who was in his mid-30s. Let's not be like that student who parted away, partied away his degree. Let's not miss out on true treasure, heavenly treasure because we never thought we'd die, and so never bothered to think about or invest in the next life. Well, I guess the obvious question then is, how do we get this heavenly treasure? Clearly, it's not automatic, given what Jesus says. Well, have a look down with me at the last verse there in our passage, verse 21. And Jesus says this, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, if we want to know where our heart is, then we need to look at our treasure. You see, if I'm investing in things which make me look good to others, then I probably love popularity. That's where my heart is. Or if I'm investing in getting a promotion, then I probably love achievement or the wealth or, or self-worth that it brings. But if I want my treasure to be in heaven, then my heart must be somewhere completely different. Sure, I can enjoy popularity and success, but my first love must be something else, or rather, someone else. And that leads us on to the second question I want to ask us more briefly. Where's your heart? Where's your treasure? And secondly, where's your heart? Elsewhere, Jesus tells us where our heart should be. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul mind and strength. God is the one we should love. After all, he made us and he gives us everything that we enjoy in life. But of course, none of us, me included, meet that standard. None of us do love him with all our heart. Rather, we take the good things that he gives us and we use them for our own sakes, don't we? For our own pleasure and reputation. And that's why we'll have such a problem if we do store up treasures for ourselves on earth. You see, what are you going to say to God when you die? 
How do you expect him to respond to you when you meet him? C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, was one of the great thinkers of the last century. He once said, some people speak as if to stare into the face of absolute goodness will be fun. They need to think again. He goes on to say, if there does exist an absolute goodness, it must hate most of what we do. You see, it's not going to be a pleasant experience to meet God as we are. It's not that we're necessarily really bad people. It's just that we live in God's world as if it belonged to us, not him. I mean, God has given us food, friendships and families, talents and abilities, money and good health. And yet we rarely, if ever, thank him for these things and tend only to refer to him when it suits us. What a terrible way to treat him when he should have authority over us. We've turned the world upside down, haven't we? As if God existed for me to give me what I want. How do we expect him to respond to us when we meet him? So according to Jesus, we've got a big problem if we continue to live our lives storing up treasures on earth. Because doing so reveals where our heart really lies. It lies. It shows that we love the things of this world rather than the God who made them. Now, today is Mother's Day. And most of us, I guess, are very thankful for our mothers and we have very happy memories of them. So often, mums will do anything for their children, won't they? But just imagine a spoilt child ignoring his mum on Mother's Day. Rather than bringing her a cup of tea in bed in the morning and and then giving her some chocolates and a card, this child just ignores his mum for most of the day, until, of course, he wants her to go out of her way to cook him his favourite dinner. It'd be so ungrateful, wouldn't it, given how much his mother does for him. And yet Jesus is saying in verse 21 that if we're storing up treasure on earth, well, then we're a little bit like that spoiled child, taking the good things that God gives us, but ignoring him, the generous and loving giver of those things. And so it's little wonder that the Bible actually says that God's angry with us for this and that we're facing his just punishment as a result. Now, maybe this all sounds rather gloomy on a a nice sunny morning. But actually, unless we understand our problem, unless we see that storing up earthly treasures isn't just folly because they won't last, but is actually the road to hell, literally, well, then we won't be able to take advantage of the far greater treasures which Jesus does want us to enjoy. And this is the good news. This is where we discover how we can store up that heavenly treasure which will last forever, where moth and rust won't destroy and where thieves won't break in and steal. Because Jesus is offering us something so much greater than even the treasure we have the potential to store up in 21st century Britain. Heaven will be wonderful and amazingly, This treasure is free. I mean, the irony of all this is we spend all our lives slaving away to get the perfect CV and the ideal home, to gain treasures on earth, and all the time Jesus is offering us something so much better for free, if only we would accept it. Let me briefly explain how it is that we can have this heavenly treasure. And now I'm getting to the very center of the Christian faith. And it all concerns the cross, the heart of Christianity. You see, Jesus came into the world to die on a cross. 
And the reason he did that was to achieve for us something that we never could have achieved for ourselves. There's nothing I could have done to escape the judgment that I deserve for my rejection of God. But Jesus, because he loves me, willingly took for me the full penalty for that sin, for the way I I push God aside to the margins of my life. You see, like that lazy student we thought about earlier, I'm helpless when it comes to the only exam that really matters, the exam I'll face when I meet God. There's no doubt what my result will be. My certificate will look a bit like this. This is my name, Rupert Evans, and my certificate will have the words failed written on it in big letters like this. And the Bible says that that's true for each one of us. Each one of us, that is, except one man. Because Jesus Christ alone lived consistently and perfectly with God as his ruler. He alone practiced the teaching that he preached. His certificate said, passed on it. And yet when Jesus died on that cross 2,000 years ago outside Jerusalem, Jesus took upon himself the punishment that I deserve for the way I treated God. As he hung on that cross, a great exchange took place. The innocent Jesus died for the guilty me. If you like, my failure, my sin was transferred onto him and he paid the full penalty for it. And that's not all, because he also handed me his perfect life, which offers me a ticket to heaven. So when God looked at Jesus on the cross, he saw the certificate that was merited by my grotty and offensive life, yet with Jesus' name on it. And when he looks at me now, he now looks at me, as if I lived Jesus' perfect life. And yet this certificate has my name on it, Rupert Evans. Now isn't that the most wonderful news in the world? Have you ever heard anything as exciting as this? Because it means that, that I needn't slave away to store up earthly treasures which are insecure in this life and insignificant when I die. Rather, I can receive heavenly treasures as a free gift, treasures which I don't deserve and which far outweigh even the best things I could store up in this life. Heaven will be perfect and eternal. This is wonderful, and it can be ours if only we would turn to Jesus and accept his free offer of forgiveness. Jesus has already passed the exam for us. We just have to accept the certificate. And ultimately, that's all that matters in this life. Prince Albert, Queen Victoria's husband, was one of the the most powerful men of his day. He enjoyed great luxuries and influence at the height of the British Empire. And yet he said this just before he died. He said, I have had wealth, rank, and power. But if these were all I had, how wretched I should be. You see, Prince Albert was a Christian. And he understood that all he had in this world would disappear when he died and wouldn't compare with the heavenly treasure which awaited him. So as we close, let me ask you this morning, where's your treasure?
honestly, if someone were to look at your heart. Our theme this, for this weekend has been gospel gold for Lindfield. The theme has, of course, been inspired by the Olympics. And there are a few more highly esteemed prizes in this life than an Olympic gold medal. But even the 14 gold medals won by Michael Phelps can't compare with the treasure that Jesus offers us. So let's not store up treasures here on earth. It's just not worth it. Let's not be like Walt Disney's maid and miss out on real treasure. And where's your heart? Do you love the things of this world or the God who gives them to us? When the passengers on the Titanic first boarded the ship, their tickets were divided into four categories according to class. But when their voyage had ended, their names appeared under only two categories in a list in the offices of the ship's builders in Bristol. One category was entitled Known to be Lost and the other Known to be Saved. And when our voyage on this earth ends, it will make no difference how much treasure we'd stored up, whether or not we were first, second, third, or fourth class passengers in this world. The only thing which will matter is whether we are lost or saved. Which category do you want to be in when you die? Known to be lost or known to be saved? Where's your treasure? Where's your heart?